joining me on the Anxiety Wad podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Grateful that you guys are here with me once again. So thankful for those of you that have reached out in support of the show. Um, Speaking of which, I just added friends of the podcast to the website, so you can kind of see some of the people that I've talked to in the last few weeks here um, in support of the show and that are helping to spread the word of this resource within our CrossFit community and outside the community as well. And, and the people that I know in my daily life, I, I thank you guys for supporting the show, for pushing me, to keep me doing this. Um, like I've said before, I, I know I, that I have a message to share, and it's you people that keep me doing this, um, knowing that it's hitting home and I can kind of see face-to-face the difference that it's making. So thank you guys. Last week we had toxic relationships. And if you have any more questions on that, submit them to anxietywad at gmail.com or submit it on the question form on the website or just shoot me a DM on Instagram or something like that. This week, I'm super pumped because we have Mrs. Anxiety Wad, my wife, Lauren Schmidgall, on the podcast. She's uh, been through a lot with me. We've both been through a lot in our personal lives, and uh, she's kind of seen the worst of the worst. Um, over the years, um, both with chronic pain, uh, surgeries, cancer, uh, miscarriages, whatever. We've been through so much together. Uh, it'll be interesting to get her take on anxiety, what it's like to live with someone, what it's like to be a parent of someone with anxiety, being that she is someone that does not have anxiety. So I think it'll be a good episode to do a little back and forth, answer some questions, talk about some CrossFit, uh, talk about whatever else we got going. So should be fun. Here we go. All right, a few housekeeping items here before we get started. Um, In Alexandria at CrossFit Electus, uh, they're hosting a conjugate methods course through CrossFit HQ. Um, That is on May 18th through the 19th. Um, And there's two different times. You can go on to CrossFit Electus's Facebook page to find information on that. Then I also want to recommend a service that I uh, connected with here online uh, through mental health, but they also are for physical health, and that is SteadyMD. And their website is www.steadymd.com, and then their Instagram page is just at SteadyMD. And that noise is what ha- what happens when you record in your living room and you have two cats that are crazy. They just went running by here. So hopefully they can kind of calm their crazy when we're talking here with our first family member that's on the podcast. I don't know if I'll have any more, but um, she is the CrossFit ELC unicorn. She's kind of an anomaly. She's uh, one of those CrossFitters that likes burpees. May have been due to the fact that she did my programming for, I think it was two six-week um, sessions, wasn't it? Like two six-week? I think it was just one six-week thing because then I started CrossFit after that. Yeah, and kept making fun of me because I was always talking about it and talking about the dudes at the gym and you kept calling them my CrossFit boyfriends and mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. But uh, actually the unicorn came about when we did a throwdown or meltdown? Um, meltdown. And very much had a physical and mental meltdown, but uh, <laughs> they were the CrossFit ELC unicorns and then me and my brother were the uh, the narwhals. And so it was my sister-in-law and my wife. And so say hello to the people and tell them a little bit about yourself, Lauren. Oh, boy. Um, Where should I start about myself? I don't know. 
What? Tell them about your CrossFit fun and how much fun it is to live with me and all that stuff. Oh, gosh. How'd I you end up on this podcast, go basically? on forever. <laughs> I'm on the podcast because Corey requested that I come talk to people and answer questions about what it would be like as far as being on the other side of the anxiety spectrum. Uh, since I'm not someone that really suffers from it, I kind of have a little bit more of an OCD type tendency. If um, anybody knows me, they can agree with that. But what they uh, used to do when we were dating in your apartment down in Kansas city. Um, <laughs> I have a, a certain place where I like my things and Corey would move my stuff on purpose. And then I wouldn't tell her and I would just sit and watch until she found it. Yeah. I would <laughs> notice it. So you can't yeah. really get away with that. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been doing CrossFit? I've been doing CrossFit for over four years, so probably about four and a half years now. Mm -hmm. um, started after I saw Corey compete um, in Okaboji at the gym we were previously at. and She saw me die on Fran, which was the yeah. last event, so she's like, ooh, um, I want to try that. No, not really Fran, but we did that on Friday. Anyway... Um, Started doing that because I liked the community and the people, and I wasn't really big on group fitness, but gave it a shot and haven't looked back ever since. And started coaching, and I'm a little bit obsessed with CrossFit. And for your like professional career, what do you do? I am an occupational therapist. I've been an OT for over ten years. And you help people find jobs? No, that's not what it. What is. does an OT do? I um. Well, there's a multitude of different things that I can do, but currently I work in an um, outpatient, inpatient setting, so at the hospital, and um, help people recover after surgery, get back home, um, help people with any injury they might have, typically upper extremity, arms, wrists, hands, those kinds of things. Um, I've worked in the school setting before. I've worked in the nursing home before. So, What are, your, what are some of your favorite... Uh movements or workouts in crossfit oh boy burpees that's just weird to me i don't get it um granted so just for you guys listening that may not know us um she's half my size i'm like six three about 250 and she's like three feet tall and 17 pounds <laughs> none of that is true <laughs> well my size is well yeah not me well you're five three five three and a good day with your hair up yeah and yeah, uh, inches, yeah inches. I'm not going to go over your weight, but uh, yeah, she's half my size. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting dynamic when people see us. If you're following me on Instagram, I just posted something with the bathrobes that suit, uh, <laughs> like that, it, that's uh, defines us pretty accurately. Yep. yep. No, I like, um, overhead squats, which is another one that not a lot of people enjoy, but, um, anything on the pull up rig, muscle gymnastics type things. Yeah. Muscle ups. Finally now get your I muscle ups. Finally do them after four years, but. I, I pretty much like it all now that I've kind of started to work on some of my weaknesses. I still don't really enjoy thrusters. I don't think anybody does, um, especially after 19.5. That was ridiculous. Or front squats or snatches. Snatches, but yeah. Cool. I like it all. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll kind of cut to the chase here. We had a few questions that came in that I thought it would be good to um, have Lauren on, you know, we have a long history with this. Um, she kind of met me on the tail end, fortunately for her of my anxiety. Um, but she still has been through some of the, the more difficult stuff that I've been through with surgery. And, um, but now we have a son that has some, you know, anxiety tendencies. And so we're gonna talk about some of that, but 
Um, the first question was, um, what is it like to live with someone with anxiety? Um, I, and I think it, for a little while, it took me some time to openly admit that. And we'll get into that here and um, talk about like what it took for me to express that to you. And then like, what was your reaction to that? And I'm sure it made a lot of sense once I finally told you, but mm-hmm. um, just for you, like what's it like to live with someone with anxiety, both your significant other and then having a child that has some anxiety tendencies? Mm-hmm. Um, I think before I really understood it or kind of knew that that was what was behind some of the things that went on. Quirks. Yeah. Um, it was sometimes kind of confusing and maybe a little bit frustrating because, um, like with our history, we dated long distance for, um, I don't know, almost two years, I think close to that. And so we had to learn how to communicate over the phone, which I hate talking on the phone, but, um, People that still was, do that? That was, yeah. It was, I mean, we texted, but that was kind of before how everything works now. Um, like Snapchat. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so it was a little confusing and frustrating at times because I felt like I'm the type of person who wants to be like the peacekeeper and fix things. It was So it was always like, how can I fix this for you? How can I change it? Which... I guess at the time I didn't really understand a lot of that because again, I don't really suffer from those anxious Mm -hmm. types of tendencies or anxiety in general. And some of Lauren's history too, she grew up with um, parents that were divorced, which they get along really well, which I was, when I first heard about it, I was like, "Uh Oh, but then when I got around them, like you can really see that they have a good relationship and they're, they both uh, parent for the benefit of their children but that's where her peacekeeper tendencies come from. And she's, she's very logical, like things for her are very linear, kind of like what Swedberg mentioned last week with, um, like logically she would come at it, come at it and try to try to fix it. And Mm -hmm. so, so go ahead. Yeah. Just like not understanding. And I think I'll probably touch on like the idea of the irrational thinking. I was also a psychology major in undergrad. So I kind of understand a lot of like the psychology behind, um, clinical issues but to like Corey said to me it's it's an irrational thought so a lot of that is hard for me to understand like in my head it's like that doesn't make sense so Mm -hmm. change how you're thinking but um I think once he was more open about it and started to explain it to me more I had to kind of educate myself and um step away from being defensive about like for example if I could kind of see that something was bothering him uh what's the matter what's the matter what's the matter are you sure are you sure are you sure usually it was no I'm fine leave me alone but I could kind of tell that something was still up so I've kind of learned over the years to just leave it alone until he can figure out what it is that's actually bothering him and then he's usually open about it so Mm -hmm. kind of like learning and knowing when to back off (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's an important point because sometimes for me personally is, you know, I, I have a hard time understanding why I'm feeling certain ways and that's just, I've been that way my whole life. But like she was saying, has given me some space to process it and then bring it to her. Um, being a big dude like I am, it was, it was extremely vulnerable, um, especially with having a hot chick like that, that you're dating, that you don't want to admit that you're struggling. You don't want to admit that you have this difficult time figuring out 
um, your thoughts because she's so logical. Like she is just able to cut through the BS and just figure things out really quickly, which it's very admirable. And it was, it was pretty intimidating at the beginning. And I think once I was able to, I don't even, I think I did it like over multiple times. I just kind of finally just said, you know, it's, it's anxiety. And then the next time I was like, well, I had a panic disorder. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like a slow leak just kind of flooded you with the information on it. And I think the thing that, um, is important is that we can only, um, for me, I could only live to the point that I understood. And I think living with someone with anxieties, you can only understand to your current knowledge base. And she said that she had to take some time to um, get some knowledge and understand it a little bit better. You know, luckily she had a psychology background, so it, she didn't have to, like a whole lot of legwork to do, but she's still figuring stuff out. You know, yes. she's still trying to learn how to deal with it. And um, the, the most important thing is that she picked up some books, she asked questions, and that thing that she said about what's wrong, what's wrong, that just someone with anxiety, that's just like the wrong thing to do, which she didn't know. I mean, it's not her fault. I didn't tell her, but like push the push, the push, it just cranks up your anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely still a work in progress and still a learning experience now that we have a son that has some of those anxious tendencies as well. Um, Cause I still want to fix, have to step back and, and realize like, because when it's your kid, you want to fix everything. You mm-hmm. know, if they're getting picked on, you want to fix the problem. You know, you're. I don't want to fix the problem. I beat the hell out of the kid that's doing it. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're like their protector, and yeah. again, the peacekeeper thing comes in. But, um, so that's been a learning experience too. Because, again, I just want to be like, well, that's silly. Why? Why do you feel that way? You know, it's it's a, some a thought. Like even last night of him coming out and saying we played the game clue and now I'm scared that somebody's going to come murder me. I mean, I think a lot of that is a, a kid's imagination. Um, what but do you, what do you think when, when he came out and he said that, and I was like, um, I explained it to him what, what goes on when, cause for me, I, I understand it from a, an anxiety, anxiety standpoint, but for you not having that, mm-hmm. when I interact with him and kind of help coach him along, what, what are, what's like the thought that's going on for you? Well, the, well usually the initial thought is, well, that's kind of a crazy thought but I keep that to myself you know obviously that's like well that's silly I wish that you wouldn't feel that way based on just a board game um but I kind of usually just listen to what you have said to him and then learned over some of the past conversations that we've had of like what works best for him which is usually turning turning it into something funny Mm -hmm. you know like balloons we'd watched Mary Poppins so we brought up the balloons like ending his night with a good a good thought, but mm-hmm. usually I'm trying to reframe in my head what's the best thing to say mm-hmm. that's not gonna hurt his feelings or make it worse. And I think it's important too is that we we argue about this sometimes because, like for me, and I think this is just my natural tendency is I get a little anxious when he's feeling that way because it's very um, ingrained in who I am. Um, but years ago, well, when we moved up here, he had a really hard time with that change. And he's a, mm-hmm. he's a child that has that tendency to have issues with change, which where, do, where would he have gotten that from? <laughs> Anyways. <Not me. laughs> yeah. So like for me is like her approach, I, I got frustrated, but mainly it was out of my own anxiety popping up and rearing its ugly head. And so what we've done lately is like when I see an opportunity for him to talk to him, for her to talk to him. I'm like, when you go in there, ask these three questions or try to help her um, just express what, what I would 
ask him at that point, just kind of, kind of serve it underhand to her and kind of try to hit it out of the park to help him out. And getting on the same page has been extremely important. Um, and that's where reading the same books, um, discussing things before we just try to come up with a solution and teach him how to think, not what to think. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been, and because it's not fun when we were arguing before, like, no, I'd get pissed. <laughs> well, and, and I think just some of that too is like him, him not really even knowing either what, where his feelings were coming from. Like you said, a lot of times you have to figure out yourself, mm-hmm. what, what you're feeling. Yep. And for a while there were times where it was like being back to when we first moved mm-hmm. where it was like having a newborn again, but it was like your seven year old coming into your room like every hour. Every night, night. Yeah, and that's right. when it got frustrating because yep. I like to sleep, but, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's gotten better now that we've kind of spoken to him about it Mm -hmm. and he understands that, okay, this is kind of what's going on. And, and he has some books himself too, that he can, um, read and Mm -hmm. we go through with him, the big life journal. Yep. I was going to say, we can, we'll skip the next one, which is more about me since we're talking about him. Sure. Like some, what are some of the tools that you've learned that have helped with, with him over the years? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to, wouldn't really necessarily necessarily say over the years, just because it's been years, more yeah. of a recent thing. But like I said, the Big Life Journal, which we had learned of through um, a friend here, yeah. yeah, it's on it's on the website right now. If you yep. guys want to check that out, and it's it's a cute little thing. And I know I we follow him on on Instagram too, and um, it kind of sparks imagination. But then. I don't know. It just seems to end the night on a positive note, which always seems to work the best for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think it's gotten better, but, um, well, we, we do some artwork. Yeah. And, um, well just drawing basically, but, and I think it's helped if we kind of say, Hey, what, what are you, what are you scared of right now? And we have, um, a boogie board. He does that every once in a while. Is that still in his room? Uh, yeah, I think somewhere yeah. else. So he'll, guy. he'll draw that out or get him to vividly explain what he's feeling and then tweak it that way. But what else have you tried to use over the years? Well, well okay. Maybe, maybe not so for him cause that's more new, but like with yeah. me, what, what are some of the things that you used or tools that you use to, um, that have helped, but have also let you remain positive because it's, it's kind of a negative space for when you're living with someone that's freaking out all the time, mm-hmm. like for you personally, since it doesn't make sense, how did you stay positive in that space? Yeah. Um, a lot of times I don't think I even realize it's going on unless it's like super apparent. Um, you know, in years past, it was probably a little bit more obvious in certain situations. Um, but as far as myself, is just like reading books on positivity and um, being patient, asking questions, um, giving whichever one of you needs space, space. Cause sometimes I think it is just maybe you need to be alone. I don't mm-hmm. know to like sort out your thoughts. Give, given time to process. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's just learning to ask questions and stepping back and trying to remind myself that I, I'm not always going to be able to fix the situation. And I think that's the, the biggest point of all is trying to step back and um, this desire to fix, especially with your kids. It's uh, something for me that even with anxiety, I just want to fix it for him. 
And I think the most valuable thing you can do is, you know, A, give him something that'll help calm him down, give him a new thought, ask him questions, but don't try to fix it. And when you try to fix it, we're already trying to fix it ourselves, and I mentioned that before, but um, the, the natural tendency is want to protect your children at all expense. And I think for her with me, I don't even know sometimes how to explain it. And I think the hardest part for her is she wants like the rational linear progression of the thought process or like when we were at your mom's that one um, Sunday it was and I was like we got to go mm-hmm. that's the one that sticks out in my mind the most and it was like eight in the morning we could have like hung out the whole day but I was pretty close to having another panic attack and I hadn't had one in a while and so when I said that well, like what were some of your thoughts like <laughs> you got pissed off I know that but um, yeah, we, remember, we, we talked about it in the, well I can tell you and so you were pretty pissed off like you had you know you're kind of a firebone, so you had the fire in your eyes. And I finally explained it in the car. And it might have been when he was pretty young and when it was still pretty bad for me. And I think that might have been the final time where you understood it. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I know it doesn't make sense. We're safe. We're just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I don't even, I'm not going to put it on the podcast, but you're <laughs> pretty, pretty pissed off. Lauren gets to be a fireball when she wants to be. So. Well, and my parents don't live close. So I think... I don't know. Maybe that could have been why I was angry at the mm-hmm. time. I don't remember the situation, but um, just as a <laughs> disclaimer for myself, for not sounding like a Beyond. mean person, <laughs> um, I don't see my parents very often, so it probably could have been why I was a little bit upset. Mm-hmm. But again, not understanding the situation. But that was, I don't know how long ago that was, but... Mm-hmm. I think now after like that was probably at one of the times where it was more confusing and frustrating because I didn't understand it as much, yeah. you know. And I think it was finally the break point for me to actually share with you what was going on because um, I could see how upset she was. And I felt bad that I couldn't maintain some sort of sanity to, you know, for her to see her family and, and get that time with them. And so it was embarrassing, but it was finally my point where I'm just like, I, I just got to tell her. And so I finally told her and, even though it was kind of a crappy situation and a hard conversation, um, it brought us closer and she understood it better. And I think that, you know, it's just like any kind of relationship, but the, the quicker you can have those difficult conversations and get into that discomfort and all the ugly stuff, the closer you're going to be, you know, for Lauren and I, we both have had cancer. And so someone that has had anxiety feelings like me towards health, Luckily, mine happened at a point where I was healthy enough. Otherwise, I'd have been a basket case. So when you got your diagnosis, we mm-hmm. were I was at Hy-Vee getting groceries, and you called me. It was right after we got done at the gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, you called me, and I, was, I knew something was wrong. And so when you found that out, what, what went into your mind? Like, how did, how did you get your head around? And this, this is good for people that um, have anxiety. This is how, like, a normal person processes this stuff compared to <laughs> not a normal person <laughs> well, I know that <laughs> but like this is this is like a normal reaction and so you want to explain like you got the phone call from Dr. Lowe which well yeah he's was... he's, he's my biggest fan apparently but uh, yeah that's a whole nother podcast but so what did you feel once you heard the when news? I well because I typically in that situation I, I had cervical cancer was what I was diagnosed with and um that I think I was kind of shocked initially 
and immediately and we'd had two kids and they were still fairly young and I thought I'm I'm gonna die like you hear that I'm guarantee that most people that get that diagnosis that's probably the first thought that that goes that goes through their head luckily mine was fairly um early early stages and was very small and and we had a like a good course of action that we could take um but I remember that same day actually getting in an argument like later that night because I think I was in shock. So I didn't really know how to react to what was going on. So I was kind of didn't really have a whole lot of emotions and wasn't really talking much because a lot of it was just going on in my head. Um, Which I knew. And he kept wanting to like know what my thoughts were on it and like wanting to talk about it. And I just didn't really know. So I think that <laughs> we kind of got in a fight about that. But I ended up just making a, a choice to not look stuff up online and which don't do that with anything. Don't search online for silly stuff like that because it never works very well. So I had to make the choice to either go down the rabbit hole and and make crappy thoughts in my head and say, I'm going to die and I'm not going to see my kids grow up and whatever. You, can go, or, you could go to the haunted house or go to Disneyland. Yeah, right. Or I made a choice to every single night before I went to bed, read a book about positive quotes or, um, which there's tons of them out there podcast yeah or well at that time i didn't really listen to podcasts but uh-huh. i just had like like kind of going off of what Corey's mantras thing that he is doing now um oh, yeah, i mantra. had like what a mantra that? in yeah. that i said to myself in the shower every night because i do that before i go to bed I'm kind of backwards that way but i would just recite it over and over and over until i i mean this was like a two-month span so mm-hmm. it was really fast but it was like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to have surgery. Cancer's going to be gone and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I would recite these things in my head every over single day until everything. And, and it, and I really felt like that actually like helped the outcome, the outcome, mm-hmm. the, the positive vibes and, and the prayers and, and, you know, that kind of goes back to, um, his conversation with David and being religious because Corey and I kind of have the same thoughts on that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a crazy whirlwind of a couple of months, but I had to just make the choice to be positive mm-hmm. and to get through it. Cause otherwise I would have been like probably not a very fun person to be around. Super important point that she, she consciously made that choice. Um, because one of the, things that happened after her surgery is she almost bled out and died in the car on the way to Des Moines because, well, we got, we got you in because yeah. like your stitches came loose and she yeah, was bleeding I, out. And like, if we would have had bad. like a negative headspace and a negative um, focus, that would have been a very different type of situation. I was extremely calm, which I, I don't understand why I am in those kind of things. Like I get hyper-focused and extremely calm. Or like when the kids, kids are choking, choke. I'm yeah. not. Lauren runs around like a chicken with her head cut off. And <laughs> I'm just like right to the kids and smack them on the back. And it comes flying out. So we got to, so it's 90 miles from our house to Des Moines, Iowa. This we, is when we lived in Iowa. When we lived in way. Iowa, yeah. And we got 90 miles in 60 minutes. So yeah, the kids I were was in kind the van. Of... 
clueless. Lauren was kind of like white, pasty, and gray. And I was, when I we got closer, I was starting to freak out. And I was talking to her mom. And I basically, we jumped out of the van. And I, threw, I don't know if I threw the keys at your mom, but I, I, I left the door so. open. Yeah. Yeah. And she took the kids and I, I basically carried Lauren into the emergency room to her doctor and got her all fixed. But the reason that you do the mantras, the reason that you do the work, the reason that you work on gaining knowledge is for situations like that. You work your way over to a happier life. You work your way to better understanding how to adapt to crazy situations because when they occur, you're farther around the continuum than you would be if you're in a negative space because there's only one way to go when bad things happen and that's down. Mm -hmm. So the higher you can build yourself up, the less likely you're going to fall and hit the ground. You're going to fall a little bit, but you're going to go to a place where you can manage it a lot better. And so in that same light, it was, that was like February. Um, yeah, I had my, my surgery. I think I was diagnosed in November um, had like the consult in December cause it was like right around Christmas mm-hmm. that year. And then I had surgery in January and I think by March I was cleared of everything. Yeah. So and I think, yeah, it was like a week after I'd had my surgery and they didn't really say anything as far as restrictions wise for what I could and couldn't do. And mm-hmm. I think I went back to work and then, um, yeah, just kind of started bleeding and I knew something wasn't right. And this is like kind of the point that I wanted to make after tying all this together, just what, what, with what you were just saying was when you're in that positive headspace, even though you're bleeding out and, you know, you're not really sure what's going to happen, you need to like advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be a better advocate for yourself, whether it's with feeling like you need to go to the hospital or get mental health help. I don't know. But when you're in that better headspace, you're going to be a better advocate for yourself for whatever kind of care you need rather than when you're in a negative headspace, you're probably just not going to care and mm-hmm. be like, oh, well, I'm, you know, like if you know something's not right, like I knew something wasn't right. I called one doctor and they're like, oh, no, it's just your cycle. It's like, no, this is not. Mm-hmm. I've had miscarriages before. This is not that either. Like this is something's not right. Let's get this figured out. So if you you need to like advocate for yourself if you know something is not right, mm-hmm. if you don't feel right. And that was like the the test for when we found out that I had it. Um, I had yeah. skin cancer and it was like a couple months later. A couple months later. Yeah, and so it was like round 1, round 2, but we made it through it and we were, you know, luckily in a, a good enough spot mentally to come out on the other end. And one thing I would just thought of that I was going to ask you is, you know, our son has a little anxiety about health and some of the ticks in his body, which it's just, it's kind of a natural thing. But what my, my thought is, do you think that that has something to do with how much he's seen with like surgeries that I've gone through with the cancer when I had that drain in my leg? And... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, cause he's been around for all of it and he's mm-hmm. the oldest, but I wouldn't be surprised if that had something to do. Probably, you could probably ask him about that. Yeah. And so we're, we're kind of figuring stuff out as we're talking here that, you know, it's, it's a process. It's not perfect. And we don't, I don't focus on it being perfect. I check the box. It's like when I do mm-hmm. speeches or, you know, when we went through Lauren's, you know, cancer stuff, it wasn't, I wasn't like, I'm going to get through this without having any anxiety. Mine was, I want to get through this without having a panic attack because I'm freaking out about my wife dying. 
I just, I made it through without a panic attack and I checked it off. I didn't grade myself and say, Hey, you got a B plus on your level of mental health, but we checked it off and you know, it's, it's brought us a lot closer. Um, so we're getting kind of towards the end here. Uh, do you have some books that you would suggest for people? I mean, we both read a lot of the same books. Lauren likes to read like Jim Gaffigan books every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I like them in to there, have but... a lot of, uh, right. I prefer to read books that are kind of mindless and humorous just as like a mental break for mm-hmm. myself. Um, so every once in a while I'll try to read something that requires a little bit more, uh, knowledge. I like to read before I go to bed. So a lot of times my brain is already shut off, but some of the ones that I feel have been helpful are, I think Corey has mentioned the love languages book books for both kids and adults. Actually I haven't. So that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, uh, cause I think a lot of people don't know that there's actually a kid version out mm-hmm. there because it, it's really is accurate too. Um, and those I read quite a while ago. Um, where, where the love language might come in too is um, if your kid is struggling and you don't know how to help, mm-hmm. if you know their love language, like our son Kane is is affection, but his main one is gifts. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of help your way and open the door to talking to them about their struggles by using those. Mm-hmm. Like I usually give him a hug or, you know, if I know he's been struggling, I'll give him a gift and it doesn't have to be anything big or significant because... He collects gifts all over the house. My daughter, on the other hand, my my daughter is affection and, um, you know, words of praise. And so she's, she's kind of like a cartoon in human form. So she's pretty laid back and she's kind of sassy thing, but she doesn't really have anxiety, so I don't have to use it, but it's easier for me to understand her and help her out when she's sad because I know that love language. So Mm -hmm. just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, any of the Brene Brown books are always good. Um, what's your favorite one? I don't even know the gifts. I think gifts probably made the biggest difference for you. The gifts of imperfection. Yeah. Um, cause you're and kind that of one a, was a while ago too. You're I kind mean, of a perfectionist. Yeah. So I think that'd be a good yeah. one if you are. My Enneagram is a type one. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's surprised about that. Yeah, and I'm not. Um, one I read, listened to recently again, like audiobooks is really not my jam. Um, it's hard for me to pay attention sometimes listening to stuff <laughs> which is why we work which because is, we're right, opposite we're like opposite but um peaceful parent happy kids um was a good one i don't know if that's familiar to anybody i got found I it on hoopla it. i don't even know who the author is but i can uh show it to Corey and maybe he can put it up on his site um but anything positive thinking like i'm really big on short chapters or little poems like those kinds of things, any books that have just little quick blurbs that you can read through that are like, like, I like all the quotes that Corey puts up. A lot of them are the ones that I've actually sent him. Um, <laughs> so I take some credit on that. Some credit, yeah. But uh, some like com- those kinds of things I like to are really helpful for me. Um, if I get too deep into like a long chapter, I'm going to start spacing off and, mm-hmm. and start to lose interest. But um, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a good head start. And I think a lot of the ones that I've put up on the website, she's read. And I think that's mm-hmm. very important for both her and I as a couple and then also as a parent is to speak the same language through like what you gain through knowledge. Like I said, we can only live to the point of the, the information that we understand and that we have. And so when we were at a point where we needed to understand and um, grow mentally with some of the challenges we were facing, we had to gain more knowledge so we could understand better. And so when you can get on the same page with your significant other, um, you're, you're going to be 
a lot better off. I think one thing that I would suggest too is the sooner that you can have that uncomfortable conversation, the better off you're going to be. Now, it was pretty early on that we talked about it because we've only been together for 12 years, about a little over 11. And um, yeah, this year will be 11 years of marriage, so about 12 years 12 together. And a half, yeah. yeah, we're engaged for what? Um, we were only well, together under a year. We, we, yeah. I don't even remember. I'm, ter- dated, I'm terrible at dates, so don't. Yeah. We were don't get dating offended. less than a year before you <laughs> and before you proposed. Yeah. But then I was still in grad school, so yeah, I was we... like, "Do you want to marry me?" And she's like, "Hey, eh. <laughs> all right." <laughs> One thing I did um, now because I did actually write some notes because oh, okay. I'm a nerd. Cool. Um, as far as talking with kids about it too, mm-hmm. um, with our son, I think he is a little bit more open with Corey when it does come to being scared or nervous and things like that, because I think he understands that Corey has been through some of the same things. So I found recently is that um, it's helpful to talk to him about my own personal experiences, like even as a kid too, because I feel like maybe he, that helps him understand it a little bit better. So if there is a way for me to connect, if something is bothering him or whatever, um, I can say, oh, well, you know what? This happened when I was a kid too, and this is how I dealt with it because I feel like he kind of gets that connection. So mm-hmm. that was one one thing that I forgot to mention. Do you ever be like, so what do you tell daddy about this or anything like that? Um, Not really. I, usually I can tell if he's kind of holding back a little bit, but then la- like lately he's been like, no, like he'll if I – Again, it's like that, are you sure? What's the matter? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. If I poke and prod him too much, then he's not going to want to talk to me. But if I, if I, you know, ask him and he says no, and then you know, I kind of just leave it alone because then there's been times where he'll just offer Shut it up down. himself too. Oh, okay. Yeah, or both, or, or, yeah. or the other way. Or he'll get mad and he'll be like, I'm being serious. Like, <laughs> leave me alone, Mom. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's good. Uh, next time you're going to work out is? Next time I'm going to work out? Yeah. Aren't you a little sore from 19? I'm really sore, but I'll probably still work out tomorrow. Are you really? <laughs> Maybe. Dude, you have like no skin on your hands. Well, that's all right. I'll tape. Yeah, well, you are about we'll see. six years younger than me, so you can handle that. But. Yep. So uh, work, speaking of working out, workout for your day is going to be, I want to challenge you to tell someone new that you trust about your anxiety. Try to grab another person on your scavenger hunt, bring them along with you. And just like I did and had that awful conversation with a beautiful girl, I said, I'm struggling. I have issues with anxiety. And it was a much easier easier process, and I didn't feel alone, and it brought us closer together. So that's your workout for the day. So, Lauren, thanks for being on. You're welcome. And uh, hopefully I didn't say anything too stupid. But I'll find out when we get done recording. So, <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for being here. Uh, episode 7. Let me pull that up here quick. It's going to be um, anxiety around sports and school, um, anxiety about something happening to your children, and then anxiety about performance, whether it's speeches, games, competitions, or interviews. Ooh, yeah. Sounds like a good one. Yeah, I know, anxiety right? Anxiety before competing in a CrossFit competition. Yeah, the CrossFit poops. Yep. <laughs> Nervous poops. Nervous they, poops. They happen. All right, guys. That's it for today. Uh, have a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Keep coming back, guys. We're going to figure this out. See you!
Yeah, 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 yeah